Hebrews Bible Study, Part 33, Closing, for lay leaders and deacons to conduct after the Sunday service or during a midweek Bible study session. Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 18 through 25. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Given that these are the final verses of the book of Hebrews, and this is the final Bible study on the book of Hebrews, more on that later, it seems like there isn't much to say. The author of Hebrews asks the Hebrew congregation to pray for him and his contemporaries because they are sure they have a clear conscience and they desire to act honorably. This is a prayer request that the author and his companions be as faithful in their ministry as they ask the Hebrew congregation to be. They believe that they have a clear conscience that they are not hypocrites, but they are aware that they have feet of clay just like the rest of humanity. They are sinners just as much as the congregation of Hebrews is, so they ask for help, desiring to act honorably in all things. But then he returns to exhortation, saying, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner, believing that in his good conduct and in his actions, if all goes well, he may visit the congregation. This was a habit of St. Paul in his writing, lending credence to the belief that St. Paul wrote Hebrews. He always said, I wish to visit you in this congregation if possible, as he does in the book of Romans. But it is his good conduct that he believes will make this happen, acting honorably, not getting into trouble. Perhaps the author was aware of some bad habit that could gum up his plans to visit the church. Regardless of whether it is St. Paul or someone else approved by the apostles writing this, it is clear that the author of Hebrews is humble enough to ask for assistance through prayer and he also holds to a worldview consistent with the book of Proverbs, which says that good conduct leads to good things happening, acting honorably that he may be restored to them sooner. 
From there, starting in verse 20, the author moves on to a benediction, but not a standard benediction like the Aaronic blessing, which says the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Here the author's blessing is aimed towards greater sanctification and action on the part of the congregation. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. The author says, May our Lord, who has done all of these things, equip you so that you may obey him because he is working in us things that are pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. There are Lutheran commentators who believe that God's will in the actions here asked of the Hebrew congregation is nothing more than to believe in Jesus Christ. But if this was the case, the author would not be saying that it is through Jesus Christ that our Lord is working in us things pleasing in his sight. The author has most certainly spoken of faith and advocated for sola fide. However, here he speaks more consistently with St. Paul's statement in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that the Christian is created in Christ Jesus for good works. Since God equips us to do good works by working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, the author says that our good works, our obedience to his commandments, are a result of being saved, not a prerequisite for it. In other words, the author agrees with St. Paul and St. James and all of Scripture that Christians do good works because they are Christians, not in order to be Christians. Furthermore, the author speaks here of the blood of the eternal covenant, uh, the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Without knowledge of what these things are, what the author has spoken of throughout the body of his epistle, the congregation would not understand this. Hebrews then connects instruction in the faith, teaching in the faith, with sanctification. Those who understand what our Lord Christ has done for them and what our God is working in us are more likely to embrace this and not act in a rudderless, drifting fashion. Proper catechesis is a key part in being conformed to the image of Christ. But it is not the end goal and it is not a prerequisite for salvation. The Christian life does not consist of amassing head knowledge for head knowledge's sake. The knowledge of Christ in one's heart, that is, putting our faith in him, is more important. Education in the faith, then, should be done with the goal of producing greater piety in the believer. As verse 21 states, the author blesses the congregation 
with our Lord, equipping them with everything good that they may do his will. This is why the author also, in verse 22, says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Regarding matters of the heavenly Jerusalem, the eternal covenant, the supremacy of Christ over Moses and the angels and every other saint, infinite volumes could be written about these topics. There would be no end to the writing as we have seen these past 2,000 years of theologians educating us in the faith. By characterizing his epistle as a word of exhortation, the author speaks of all of the truths he has brought up as teleological. There is an end goal, a reason for us to know about what Christ has done for us. That Christians reading the epistle shall remain in the faith, continuing to trust in Christ for their salvation, and also with the Holy Spirit working in their hearts, that they shall continue to joyously obey our Lord's command, loving God above all and loving their neighbors as themselves. Finally, the last three verses are greetings, which refer to Timothy having been released, presumably from prison, and then saying that a visit to the Hebrew congregation depends upon Timothy returning to this traveling party. This guarantees somewhat that the author has apostolic approval, whether he is St. Paul himself or Barnabas, a traveling companion to St. Paul at various times, or perhaps even John Mark, who traveled with them as well. And so the epistle finishes with final greetings, uh, greeting all of the leaders, the saints, those who come from Italy sending greetings, and the epistle ends with grace be with all of you. Now it is your turn. Please send me an email with any questions you have had, especially if you are a lay leader or a deacon. If your home congregation has been asking questions pertinent to the book of Hebrews, please send them to me and we can upload a special recording answering all of them. Please send me an email at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com and I will be happy to respond both over text and audio. But if none are sent in, then I will happily move on to our next Bible study series on the book of James. Our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.